This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I was banging with a gang of instrumentals Got the pens and pencils Got down to business But sometimes the business end of this shit Can turn your friends against you But you was a real nigga I could sense it in you I still remember the window of the car that you went through That's fucked up But I'll never forget the shit we've been through And I'ma do whatever it takes to convince you Cause you my nigga die And easy I'm still with you Fuck the beef nigga I miss you And that's just being real with you You see the truth is Everybody wanna know how close me and Snoop is And who I'm still cool with Then I got these fake ass niggas I first flew with Claiming they non-violent Talking like this Spit venom in interviews Speaking on reunions Move units Then talk shit and we can do this Until then I ain't even speaking your name Just keep my name out of your mouth And we can keep it the same nigga It ain't that I'm too big to listen to the rumors It's just that I'm too damn big to pay attention to them That's the difference What's the difference between me and you? You talk a good one but you don't do what you're supposed to do I act on what I feel and never dare with emotions I'm used to living big dog style with straight coast What's the difference between me and you? You talk a good one but you don't do what you're supposed to do I act on what I feel and never dare with emotions I'm used to living big dog style with straight coast Yo, I stay with it while you try to perpetrate play with it Never knew about the next level until Dre did it I stay committed while you motherfuckers babysit it I smash the critics like an overhand right from Riddick Come and get it shitted on villains by the millions I be catching bitches while bitches be catching feelings So what the fuck am I supposed to do? I pop bottles and hot hollow points at each and all of you Come on. A heartless bastard, high in plastic My style is like the reaction from too much acid Never come down, batch it around You can't handle it, hang Hollywood niggas by they soul train laminates What's the difference between me and you? What? About five bank accounts, three ounces and two vehicles Until my death, I'm Bangladesh I suggest you hold your breath till ain't nothing left Yo, that's the difference What's the difference between me and you? You talk a good one, but you don't do what you're supposed to do I act on what I feel and never deal with emotions I'm used to living big dogs down with straight coats What's the difference between me and you? You talk a good one, but you don't do what you're supposed to do I act on what I feel and never deal with emotions I'm used to living big dogs down with straight coats I got something to say, Dre. I want to 
tell you this shit right now But this fucking weed is in me I don't know if I ever told you this But I love you dog. I got your motherfucking back Just know this shit Slim, I don't know if you noticed it But I've had your back from day one Nigga, let's blow this bitch I mean it, dog. You ever need somebody off? Whose throat is it? Well, if you ever kill that Kim, bitch I'll show you where the ocean is Well, that's cool And I appreciate the offer But if I do decide to really murder my daughter's mama I'ma sit her up in the front seat And put sunglasses on her And cruise around with her for seven hours to California And have her waving at people Then drop her off on the corner at the police station And drive off honking the horn for her Run off, get your arm gnawed off Drop the sword off and beat you with the piece of a sword off Fuck blood, I wanna see some lungs coughed up Get shot up in the hot tub Till the bubbles pop up And they know the cough's not up You get some hot water That's for trying to talk like the chronic was lost Hello everyone and welcome to Straight White Whale. This is episode 108 and in the studio this week we have a lovely guest, the very talented, very funny and very, I know I sound like a pedo right, but very pretty <laughs> Rachel Jackson. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you sound like an old grander. Very pretty. <laughs> We're going to do an ad read, Rachel, mm-hmm. before we get started. Is that cool? Sure. Thank you very much. Paul's going to do that. This is like the worst bit of my week because <laughs> that's everybody, <your> spirit. <laughs> everybody just sits and stares at me, and I'm like, oh God, you know, he's the actor, and I need to do that anyway. Sorry, I still love you. So good. This week's uh, sponsor, as usual, is Arguing Co Legal. So Arguing Co Legal are a Glasgow-based law firm and they can assist you with mostly any legal issue. But if you do raise an inquiry and they can't help you, they will point you in the direction of a trusted partner. Um, Their main area of expertise is personal injury claims. So if you've been in a car accident or injured at work, be sure to get in touch with Arguing Co Legal and they will get you the maximum compensation that you deserve. The main difference between Arguing Co Legal and the big law firms that you see on the TV is their level of customer service and their approachability. They will te- treat their clients like a friend or family member, and I can attest to that because I was in a car accident, Rachel, and Alan Arguing Arguing Co Legal got me the maximum compensation that I deserved, which I went on holiday with. So <laughs> there you go. But they do a different range of funding options, including no win, no fee. But if there is a fee and you coach straight white whale, to Arguing Co Legal, you will get a discount. I don't know if they're allowed to do that, but they'll do it anyway. So contact Arguing Co Legal on 01413784145. Go to their website, which is arguingco.co.uk. That's A R G U E A N D C O.co.uk. Or you can go to their offices at 9 George Square, Glasgow G11 QQ. Thank you very much, Alan and Arguing Co Legal. Thank you very much, Paul. So there you go, Rachel, if you're ever in an accident, uh, quote, straight white whale. <laughs> <laughs> my, my first thought. <laughs> yeah, to the doctor. And the doctor can get in touch with arguing call, and then we can go half hours on whatever you get. <laughs> All right. 
we when we do podcasts we get people on for like an hour we talk shit we have a laugh obviously you've got an amazing cv very funny comedian there's questions that i could ask you that any journalist could ask you but i'd just kind of want to talk about how you're selling cups <laughs> as a side hustle mm-hmm. and you're also on the keto diet right now mm. and you seem to be euphorically high from it <laughs> yes so i'm selling my mugs uh, getting them up so everyone can see uh, this started back in 2022 i was thinking of more ways i could make money i was wanting to do some merch yeah uh, and i just thought why not start with mugs it's just a bit bit different no one else is doing it yeah don't know any other comedian that sell mugs at gigs uh, so i order them in bulk and uh yeah I sell them at every gig. I've tried to sell them online, but they haven't been that, like, it's been a bit awkward doing it online, so I think I prefer to just do it in person. So if anyone's watching, come get a mug at a gig, a take card. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how I'm going to become famous for my mugs. Or you can add her on Instagram and she'll she'll sort you out. I bought a mug the other night, Paul, at a gig. And then I went up and horrendously died on Mars. Uh, <laughs> I was like, how the fuck did this cost me money to be here? And I've also died on Mars. But yeah. How are you, Paul? You all right? Sorry. sorry. I'm very well. Yeah. Um, how are you? You look like you've just, you've had about nine edibles or something. I feel like I'm in a, fev- a fever dream. <laughs> a weird fever dream. I'm getting weird pains in my face and stuff. I don't know if the people can see this. Rachel, can you see that? I'm, I, I met Darren for a coffee before this, and the first thing I said was, are you all right? Like, <laughs> Thank you. Visibly, you, looked, you know, like you'd been in tears. Or... Yeah. Yeah, I do look like I'm dying. <laughs> you either look like you're stoned or you've got pink eye. It's definitely pink eye then. Do you cause... know how you get pink eye? Fecal matter in your eyes? <sighs> you've been scratching <laughs> your bum in <laughs> Then take your contacts out. I can, I'm not even going to say that in front of Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I'm like Marlon Manson, you know, but I can, it's instead of the willy, it's the arse. (laughs) Sorry. You might need to explain that to me. I don't know what you're talking about. There's a rumour going around that Marlon Manson can suck his own willy. Yeah, because he he removed like eight ribs or something so that he can bend far enough to do it. Yeah. So I can do that with my arse. As a joke, it's a joke. I never licked my own arse. So, Rachel, how are you? <laughs> Can we go back to that? Like, how do, how do you how do you lick your own arse? That would be like you know, there's the whole thing about guys and try to suck their own dick, right? And I think I don't know, but when I was a wee boy, I, I tried it. I failed miserably. Everybody that I've ever mentioned that is like, I tried that too. Don't worry about it. You're normal. Like, thank fuck. Yeah. But if you could actually get your head all the way around to lick your own arse, I would say that that's, you know, like, millionaire talent. You should go and, like, Britain's Got Talent and do that. Like. Can you imagine Simon Kill's face? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's ta- more talented than what what is on that show. <laughs> Have you ever been offered to go on that, by the, the way? Because I've, had a, we- I've yep. had a couple of DMs yep. for them. Exactly. The last, I think, two, three years, I've had a guy or different guys slide into my dms hi rachel this is a you know one of the talent producers from britain's got talent yeah we'd love to have you on i've said have you actually seen my comedy because it would not yeah. go down well on britain's got talent yeah you know but and then he was like oh actually i think it would and i just said thanks but no thanks it's not for me yeah. because you never know how you're going to be edited they can make you look like a real freak 
Uh-huh. Sometimes the crowd turns against you. You've seen it. Yeah. And the way the way they start booing people and it's like proper like gladiator shit. Yeah, and then no matter what you go on to achieve, you'll always be the person that was on that show and stuff. Exactly. So Yeah, it's I, not for me. I mean, fair enough. I'm not one of those people that judges other people. If other people want to do it, fine. Yeah. But it's never been my I don't think it's my route to success. Britain's got talent. Yeah. Yeah, I've had that. I said that as well. Yeah. It was a female that got in touch mm. with me. They maybe do that, get guys to get in touch <laughs> with females and the other way about. But I just started laughing and I was like, I basically just talk about my mental health and fucking ecstasy abuse. <laughs> Imagine that in, on the stage at the Hydro. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's not for me either. <laughs> <laughs> the two years side it just depression like, oh, there. Oh, like, What's happening to us? <laughs> Did you see that thing with the the? I can't remember what award ceremony it was, but like they got a rapper to come up and do like a rap about all the female actresses. Did you see this? No, no, no. So basically, that's what happened. I think it was like the Golden Globes, and I was sitting. So my uh, girlfriend's called Sharon. She does the art that's in the background mm, oh, we were sitting watching like a clip of this because people were ripping into it right they were like that rap was so shite like she was rapping about like jamie lee curtis and stuff like that it was fucking terrible actually this rings a bell i think i might have seen it right yeah. it, it went viral it mm. went like mega viral like mm. people were getting proper abusive but i was saying to like i used to play in a band and i was in like the music industry and i was like see if anybody had ever offered me anything like that I, that is like the worst thing that you could do for your career is to go up and do a humiliating version of your act. Do you know what I mean? And like you're talking about Britain's Got Talent. They w- surely like stand-up comedians just got hung out to fucking dry in these things. But if you ever have got any ambition of actually making it in any sort of mainstream way, you should just knock those things back. You shouldn't go fucking near them. Yeah. Because they're like actually embarrassing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I agree. Like Britain's Got Talent is just not for me. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And plus anything that's to do with like Britain... And has like the British flags and all that. That's yeah, like yes. gross to me. Um, so I wouldn't, get in, yeah, I wouldn't get involved with anything that's like British. Aye. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, I've been gigging for 16 years to fucking gig in front of Prince Charles. Sorry, mm. King Charles. Mm. Remember that video you put up? You were at a tennis match a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were like in a sea of uh-huh. Union Jacks and stuff. It was the Isle of Wight. I was actually performing there and um, I was waiting to go on. And it was like, God save the Queen and all that. And they were, it was like, Rule Britannia! And everyone was flying their Union Jack. And I did a video where I filmed them all and then I turned it around to me and just looked like I was in hell. Yeah. And people were replying to me, it's like, this is like, get out. Yeah. <laughs> How was the gig? Actually, it was pretty good. Even yeah. though they were all obsessed with the Queen and obsessed with Britain and all that. And I tried, I had a debate with one guy because I was like, fuck the Queen, fuck the monarchy. And he was like, but we need the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just can't talk to these people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual gig, they had a good sense of humour. My gig went really good. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> could have been worse. <laughs> I think so, I was expecting them to hate me because I was like the wee Scottish girl who hates, hates being part of the UK. Yeah. I've always found those situations to be good fun, actually. Mm. Like, I've done a gig in a Masonic once, and I was, like, openly saying, I'm a Celtic fan and a Catholic, and they were like, aye, it's cool. Mm. I was like, all right, mm. fair enough. Yeah. Anything for 40 quid. <laughs> <laughs> the things I'll do. <laughs> so you did, um, you did the Funny Bunch the other night? Yes, I did. In Edinburgh? Yes. I took, for those that don't know, 
I've been running the Funny Bunch in Glasgow at Blackfriars. It's been going very well. And I decided to take it up to the Monkey Barrel in Edinburgh on a Tuesday night when the trains were fucked and January, everybody was skint. And we ended up with about 85 people in the room. And it was brilliant to gig with you, Rachel, because it's been... Well, I was going to say it's been a couple of years, but you did the Funny Bunch in Glasgow. But mm. we've not really gigged together much. No, we haven't. Yeah, we've known each other a long time, but we've not really been on the same bills very often. Yeah. So it was great to gig with you at the Funny Bunch. I had a lovely time. Yeah. Um, it was a great audience, apart from those arseholes that were talking that ended up getting chucked out. Yeah. Um, but it was really good. I was just saying to you earlier, it was good for me because I've, I've been getting a bit bored of my set recently. Mm-hmm. You know, just doing the same 20 minutes over and over and over again. And I feel like I could do it in my sleep. And I thought I need to start challenging myself because I've got a hell of a lot more material mm-hmm. than that, just that 20 minutes. So I'm trying to kind of like do different material at different gigs now just to remind myself that I have got more in the bank. Yeah. You know, so it was really good. It was really good to try some stuff I've not done very often. Yeah, it was brilliant to see you. And, Kate, you know, we eventually got those four people chucked mm. out. But unfortunately, they were talking through your set, but mm. you handled it like a fucking champ. Thank you. I hate when, I mean, you told them to shut up. I was literally screaming in their face to shut up. Mm. It was just fucking tedious, man. Well, you feel like a school teacher at some point because, you know, I asked them politely, right? And then asked them again. And then it got to the point where I thought, they're not listening to me, so there's no point in keep, why waste my breath? I may as well just block them out, continue on my set and pretend they're not here. Yeah. So, yeah. Good gig though, isn't it? It was, it was a great gig. That's a nice room. Oh, I love Monkey Barrel there, yeah. It's cold. Mm. It was a cold. When I first went in, I was like, I'm going to keep my fucking jacket on. It's freezing <laughs> yeah. in here, but it's just a big concrete block into it. But cracking room. Mm. Bit different for Glasgow, eh? Definitely. And I thought that the table service thing's a great idea. <laughs> like, I don't, I know the Glee, the, the Glee does mm. that, didn't they? Mm. Like the QR code and they'll bring a drink out. But I thought the stand could be doing that title. I think that's a really good idea for a comedy club because I think sometimes, like, if when the Funny Bunch was there in the interval, He's all like scrambling to the bar to try mm. and get like nine drinks to go and sit down because the bar's going to be shut for the next hour or whatever. I thought that was a really good idea mm. and I thought they managed it really well. But I mean, you were saying there's like a 400 capacity across the road and stuff, man. That's crazy. That's a crazy amount of like comedy clubs for the one venue. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I did. It uh, totally tickled me because I think my Glaswegian accent can put people off. So I'm up there saying, you know, some dark stuff. And then you come on like a <laughs> rocket and you're just saying the exact same stuff. I think a lot of people found that funny. Aye. I think they were like, oh, we're going to get a wee break here. And Aye. it was like, it wasn't no. a break. I'm going to also talk about pedos. <laughs> Aye. Aye. Pedos and bellends. <laughs> Who's your favourite pedo? Sorry. Sorry. Probably R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, yes. <laughs> why R. Kelly? And any, any reason why R. Kelly? Because I believe I can fly. Um, it's just, you know... It's just amazing. <laughs> Plus, Jimmy Savile wasn't talented. Jimmy like, Savile I don't was ever horrible. found him funny. He was never a, oh, he was uh, nice or he was not talented. He was not funny. At least him, R. Kelly can sing. Aye. Still a, a bastard. He'll but. be enjoying his prison time doing like singing for everyone. People <laughs> will be loving it. <laughs> Aye. Space Jam. Oh, God. <laughs> Mine's just Michael Jackson. I mean, we'll, if we're going down the talented route, I think he's the most talented paedophile Probably. that's ever existed. Supposedly, though. Allegedly? Yeah. Nah, fuck that. Yeah, but you need to say allegedly. I don't want the fucking Jackson 4 chat in my door. <laughs> <laughs> Janet and Tito at the door. Yeah. I seen them at the O2. What, Michael Jackson? 
Uh, the Jackson 4. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. The bass player, genuinely, the bass player was growling at me. I swear to God. <laughs> I was in the crowd and I was like, he's tossing me fucking daggers. What? It was mental. That is weird. But it was a great gig. Yeah. <laughs> Apart the, from ja- that. the Jackson 4? Aye, because... I've those... never heard them called the Jackson 4. <laughs> <laughs> was... Well, it's the Jackson 5 then, isn't it? I thought Michael Jackson was in it. Michael's did. So what is it, the Jackson 6 when he was in it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't Jack- I've just never heard somebody refer to them. Like, even if there was only, like, th- three of them, I'd be like, I went to see the Jackson 5. Yeah. <laughs> I don't the know. The Jackson 4, that's that's a new way of... Yeah. Sounds like people that have been wrongly convicted, like an IRA bombing or something like that. <laughs> Get the Jackson 4 out. <laughs> Free them. The Jackson 4. I'm innocent. That's a terrible Irish accent. R. <laughs> <laughs> <Our> Jerry. <laughs> so what's it like being on the keto diet, Rachel? So I started, so I've been on it a month now because I started it on the 1st of January. It's now the 1st of February. It's the longest I think I've ever stuck to any diet. Yeah. Um, because you know what it's like, diets are shite. Yeah. Who enjoys being on a diet? But I think the thing I enjoy most about the keto diet is, is because you're eating so much protein, you're eating no carbs, no sugar, which sounds really extreme. But the first few days are the hardest because you're getting used to it and your sort of body's craving carbs or sugar. But then the more you get used to it, like I've not, I don't have any cravings anymore. Yeah. And because you're so full of protein, you're not hungry. Because you know how on most diets you give it up because you get hungry and you think, fuck this. But because you're so full of protein, you don't get cravings, you don't get hunger. And I've lost quite a lot of weight so far. Um, so, so far so good. Good. Yeah. What, what made you pick the keto diet? Because I tried it back in 2022 because my yo- my weight yo-yos quite a lot. Not like really dramatically, but, you know, a couple of stone here and there yeah. kind of go up and down. And I've been like that all my life, basically. And um, in 2022, a friend of mine, I, I met her and she's like Christian Bale as well. Like her weight goes up and down. And the last time I'd seen her, she'd been really, really heavy. Yeah. And then I went around to her house kind of expecting her to look like that. She got out the car door and she was she was tiny. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, Clara, like, what if, you know, tell me everything. And she was like, oh, this is the keto diet. And so that was me. That was like my first introduction to it. And I thought, well, it clearly fucking works because yeah. she's lost about five stone. No, no exaggeration. So I went and stayed with her and she kind of instructed me exactly what you can and can't eat. Uh, and then over the course of a few weeks, I lost quite a lot of weight. So now I think it's going to be my go to throughout my life if I ever feel like because I'm not going to stay on it forever, of course, like. I'm going to want treats at some point. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to try and stick to it as much as I can because it does work and it works fast. Yeah. yeah. Here, I've done it myself. Mm. Um, have you shat your pants yet? Because <laughs> I've done it a couple of... Well, I've done keto once and I shat my pants like five times. I can't believe you just asked me if you shat your pants yet. Never ask a lady if like, she shat her pants. Um, <laughs> no, I have not. I have not shat my pants. So, <laughs> successful... Uh, what do you mean you shat your pants from keto? How's that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever it is, I've shat my pants. I don't think that's keto's fault, Darren. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what you're eating, but a high protein diet, especially if you're taking in shakes and stuff, it can like it can be dodgy. You know, yeah. you need to watch like don't jump down a couple of stairs or whatever, just in case. You know, yeah. okay, I'll... you have an accident. Yeah, I've I've done it a few times and it was humiliating. Oh, God. But you own it. I've owned it. Paul's <laughs> talked about it on the podcast. It's like living in your shadow we talk about. I'm not hiding from anybody. I've shat my pants. Fuck it. Uh-huh. I'm the guy that shat his pants <laughs> more than once. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm glad that you're feeling healthy and you've, you've found something that's working for you. Um, Is that a big, massive change? Like you're saying, like, treats. I think, like, how do you... It's, I think it would be hard to snack on keto. <laughs> 
right? Because you're well, you can eat bits of chicken and like cold meat or, or whatever like that, but it's not the same as you know, like a Mars there. bar, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. I think honestly, you don't even snack because you're not hungry. Like you know how regularly you get sugar crash, you need like three pm, you need a bit of sugar or whatever because you've eaten such a protein filled breakfast, protein filled lunch. I actually can't remember the last time I had a snack because you're just you're full. You don't yeah. you don't feel the way that you do normally if you're because I don't know it's something about keto diet, man. I'm like I'm gonna like be a, a you know you know talk about it all the time. Cause, I'm here, I, I done it. Yeah, I done it and I felt amazing. Yeah, and the food was incredible. Yeah, you can get like keto chocolate and stuff, but mm. it's pretty expensive. But it was amazing. I got keto hot chocolate and it cost twenty two pounds and it is shite. Oh, man. It tastes like water. It's honestly like chocolatey water. There's no taste to it at all. And I spent £22 on it. That's a gutter. I know. But I'll just finish it because I'm one of those people that I can't <laughs> abide waste. I've got to, I've got to finish it. I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I do, Darren. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> so I was looking through your CV. Mm-hmm. You've got a very impressive... Oh, thanks, Darren. Very impressive CV. Thank you. We've known each other for a long time. You've always been very funny. And I've always been aware of your work, but uh, I looked through your your CV and there was things that I've missed. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really cool, man, some of the stuff that you've done. I Thank mean, you. obviously, you've done... Um, I first knew you because you had a wee part in Scott Squad, mm-hmm. but you were a scene stealer on Thank that. Thank you. And then you've went on to work in other Scottish shows as well. Mm-hmm. But most recently, you were in Beats, mm-hmm. which is pretty... That is a... A big, big achievement. Thank you. Thank a you great, so much. great film. Thank you. Oh, did you watch it? No. <laughs> <laughs> you um, will, you will though. You'll put it on your list. No, I have watched it and it's like one of those ones that, um, you know, say that if I stopped, if I was in that movie and I stopped working in this industry, I would look back on that when I was an old man and be like, I done that, that I done that fucking movie and it was amazing. Um, do you feel like that? Yeah, I do. And you know what? It's funny because when we first got it, we were led to believe it was going to be a lot bigger than it was because um, Deadline Hollywood did an article about it saying this is going to be as big as train spotting. Yeah. Then Steven Soderbergh, who was the executive producer of like um, Ocean's Eleven and Erin Brockovich and stuff, he became like the executive producer of Beats yeah. like while we were filming it. So we were kind of getting gassed up thinking this is going to be a really fucking big film. And then it ended up being in black and white and it went around film festivals and it did really well critically, but hardly anyone saw it. Yeah. And so it was a bit gutting, don't get me wrong, but part of me, part of me was gutted because I feel like it deserved to do better than it did. Mm-hmm. But the other part of me was like, you know what? It's still an amazing film. No one can ever take that away from me. Like, even if I never act again, even if I never do another film or TV show, mm-hmm. I'll always know that I did a really, really brilliant film. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to have on the CV. I remember that buzz as well, the new train spotting. And I was like, yeah, that's got to be massive. And don't get me wrong, it was still massive. But I think when people look back on it, it will be a cult classic mm-hmm. rather than a mainstream massive movie. Mm-hmm. But it's still 10 out of 10, still incredible. Yeah. Um, Very so, few Scottish movies become mainstream mm-hmm. massive yeah. hits. I mean, train spotting <laughs> at a time, the sound. See, you get the. People sometimes, you know, like you'll you hear people say stuff like this, the new train spotting, and you're like, but train spotting was like a cultural moment, and you can't ever plan that. I doubt Danny Boyle or Irvin Welsh sat down and thought, you know what, this is going to be the biggest movie of the decade, mm-hmm. or because it was the Britpop, Ewan McGregor, the Kelly, what's oh, Kelly that, McDonald? That's horrible, Kelly McDonald. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Robbie Coltrane. No. No. <laughs> What's the other one? No, Robbie Johnny Coltrane. Lee Miller. No, no. Um, Begbie. Oh, uh, Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle. They were all like in that moment, like just just hit, you know, mm. just in, up and coming on the cusp <clears throat> of being massive. Yeah, and, and, and the soundtrack was amazing and Oasis were kicking about and it was like that moment in the 90s where being British was cool and then this British movie came out of nowhere and it was so such a cool movie as much as it's about heroin and stuff. Like, yeah. it was so cool, but you can't really plan for that. So I think like that sort of a take that you're saying, like, well, actually, if I look at as a piece of art and as a piece of, you know, like, film, it's amazing and you can't take that away whether or not it's commercially successful is kind of like by the by isn't it? mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. you can't plan for that no, especially exactly. especially in scotland yeah like a, a, a country like seven million people it's like we're nothing in comparison mm-hmm. to like an american movie you know 200 million people mm-hmm. it's like a different market do you know what i mean and so Mm. I've never seen it. Beats. Yeah, you have to check it out. Beats. Yeah. I'll need to watch Beats. it. Woo. Belter. It's a belter. It's a cool film, yeah. I tell you what about uh train spotting though. Um I obviously I appreciate how good it is, but that's one of those movies that when I do watch it, it makes me feel fucking horrible. Oh really? I can't really watch it that often. Uh I get like that with some movies like Dead Man Dead Man's Shoes. You yeah, I that? wouldn't watch that again. Makes me feel terrible. I wouldn't watch that again. But Same can, with This Is England. Yeah, I can appreciate oh, it. Oh man, This Is England's get horrible bits yeah. in it. No, I would like, never wow. watch it again. Yeah. Even though I, I can I can respect that it's a brilliant film. Yeah. But This Is England it just hurt me too much. You know, that like the racism was so like I know it's that's the point of it and it's a film and blah blah blah. But you know there's like scenes in it that it's sickening. Yeah. And it's just too hurtful to watch. And same with Dead Man's Shoes. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is just too depressing, man. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to put myself through that by watching it again? That act, uh, the director, um, I can't remember his name. He did one about sexual abuse with, I don't know if it was, it wasn't within the church. I've got total brain fog today, but he did, it was like a six part series with, um, the guy that's in This Is England, mm. you know, the, the racist guy? Oh, Paddy, oh, um, oh Steve, Stephen Graham. Yeah, so he was in it, and it was kind of based on the director's life. And again, it's like, oh, this is incredible, amazing writing, filmmaking. But, you know, after it, I'm like, I want to kill myself. Mm. So, aye, he's a great actor. Uh, I mean, I'd say that director. that's the sign, like, a good, the, everything that we just mentioned there are, like, incredible pieces are, like, you know, using the word art but art i think that's a it's like a measure it see if you watch something like this is england and it's about racism and there's like you know like horrible scenes in it and then you're left feeling horrible i would say that they've probably done their job Mm -hmm. and also like for me as well because i'm the same i wouldn't watch this is england or i think there's is it the tv did they make a tv series or something was there a second one or this is England. It was basically This is England, the TV show. Yeah, yeah. and then This is England 83 Aye, and, and stuff exactly. like that. There's one where, like, the, the dad gets out of jail and there's, like, a, a like a sexual assault scene that she, the guy Stephen Graham's character comes in, you know, spoiler alert, and kills her dad. And I can remember sitting, like, half-stoned, being like, I, I need to go and do something. Like, I need to go to the gym or something to get this out of my fucking mm. head, get this scene mm-hmm. out of my head. But... These are like real life events. Like this stuff happens, you know what I mean? And like it's so real yeah. that it actually impacts you. I think that's a sign of something they've done their job. Same with train spotting. It's like that's real, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I'd I'd walked into flats in East End of Glasgow that looked like 
mother, the mother superiors flattened train spotting. Um, so I, that stuff like that goes on. I think that's why it feels so dark and depressing because there's a part of that knows like that's real. Yeah, you know, people have lived through shit like that. You know, but I mean? I'd rather watch Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've watched Dumb and Dumber probably more than I've seen any other film. And it always makes me happy. It never fails to, do you know what I mean? Like, I know I probably could quote the whole film. And, like, why watch This Is England that's going to depress you yeah. when you could watch Dumb and Dumber and just sit and laugh for two hours? And Yeah, know. that's true. Or imagine, like, being an actor and getting regular work if you were in something like This Is England and then you'd done a panto or something. <laughs> so somebody in the crowd's just like, she was in This Is England and now I'm watching her as a fucking ugly step witch or something. Yeah. And a panto. Yeah. Um, did you like the second Dumb and Dumber? Not really, no. Yeah. I mean, I was I was like excited about it for years, and then I went to the cinema to see it, and I was really disappointed with the character journey of mm-hmm. Lloyd and Harry because in the first one they're just dumb, they're yeah. lovable, they're dumb, they're idiotic. It's charming, it's hilarious. Whereas in the second one they become quite mean. Yeah. <laughs> and it just didn't really sit right with me because they weren't mean in the first one. Yeah. Like they weren't like they play tricks on people and stuff. Aye. I suppose he did sell a, a, a bird to a blind kid. So Aye. maybe that is kind of mean. But do you know what I mean? It didn't feel like sinister. Whereas in the second one, I just thought, no, they're nasty now. This isn't, yeah. it's not as charming. I remember going to see see that in the cinema as well. And I was like cackling with laughter at how much I enjoyed it. Mm. What, well, the second it, one? Yeah. But I watched it recently yeah. and I was like, why was, I don't know if I found <laughs> that. Why was I laughing yeah. at that? Yeah quite strange no, jim carrey think... seemed really old in it as well like <laughs> with the same wee haircut with yeah, it yeah pure yeah. weird old neck chicken like, fillet neck I yeah call it. <laughs> yeah so see when you were growing up <clears throat> i know that you've got a great taste in movies what kind of stuff did, did you watch that inspired you that's a really good question I, I went through a phase once my brother went to uni so i was like 15 uh, and I, I was a bit heartbroken when my brother left for St Andrews because we'd been so, so close and watched so many films together. And when he left, it was a bit of like a stab in the heart, but I just kind of like threw myself into watching films and I'd go to the, this is when you could go to the, the video store and rent videos and I would yeah. just like buy videos. I'd go to HMV and like I had like a collection of like 200 VHSs mm. and I'd watch, but the, the films I watched mainly as a teenager were like Girl Interrupted, Cruel Intentions, American Beauty and Fight Club. Those were kind of my four favourite films to watch. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about depression. And <laughs> I was like, comedy? Um, yeah, no, you're expecting like... Yeah. Um, but no, all those films just, oh, yeah. Girl Interrupted is another one that I can't watch. You can't I watch can't it? can't watch it. Really? It's too sore. It's a wee bit disturbing, isn't it? Yeah, it's very sore. Very sore. Oh, no, I can Incredible movie, though. Yeah. Like, 10 out of 10. I think Every... it's Angela Jolie's best performance, definitely, as Lisa Rowe. Like when she first comes in and like, she's so sexy. Like, you know, mm. she's like playing a sociopath, but you'd still fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. Aye. Uh, and she's like super dangerous, but you, you, you're still t- totally charmed by her. Um, but yeah, love it. You are um, talking about train spotting with you and McGregor. Uh, did you tell me that you're reading Doctor Sleep right now? Yes, I've literally, it's funny you say that because it's like a 500 page book. And I saw the film, Doctor Sleep, at the cinema a few years ago. And my dad's had Doctor Sleep in the living room for years. I've been meaning to watch it. And I've gone on a bit of a reading spree recently since Christmas. I read, like, Matthew Perry's book, Britney Spears's book. And I've kind of got the reading bug back. So 
I've literally got about 10 pages to go. I was just about to finish it today, but I was going to miss my train to get here. Yeah. Um, but Dr. Sleep, for anyone who's not read it, it's the sequel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To The Shining. And it's so much more detailed than the film. It, it kind of makes me th- think the film's a bit shite now. Yeah. And I enjoyed the film. But you know, when you read the book and you're like, why did they miss that part out? And why didn't they do that bit? And why didn't they, you know? So definitely recommend. And you look like the the evil character from Doctor Sleep. You look like Rose the Hat with <laughs> that kind of a top hat on, Darren. I'm like the shite baddie. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rachel. Ah. <laughs> <Shite>. <laughs> 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 your do- doctor that was scary mm. I, re- I remember seeing that in the cinema and i was mm. like fucking hell i seen it on like amazon prime or something i was like there's a fucking sequel to the shining and it's got fucking ewan mcgregor i didn't hear anything about it i thought that, i thought i thought it was great yeah i really did and i thought it just went under the radar did it come out during the pandemic or something like no that? it was a few it was a couple of years before the pandemic i think right. yeah but um honestly the book got you got if you like the film read the book seriously the book Aye. is brilliant. I'll check it out. I might go back and watch the film. Mm. I remember being a bit gutted that Ewan McGregor was in it. Not that he's not a good actor, just because he he was American mm. and then he done well. He done great. Mm-hmm. He done a he put in a shift. <laughs> How do you feel about the Britney Spears story? What Britney Spears story? You said you read the book. Oh right, yeah. The Woman and Me. I've listened to the audiobook. Oh right, uh huh. Um and my girlfriend Sharon is like a, a Britney stan yeah I am a Britney stan as well yeah I've yeah. loved her since Baby One More Time all those years ago because I think I was about 11 when Baby One More Time came out and she, obviously she's because I think she's a few years older than me so I just like I think I was in love with her because I'm I didn't realize I was bisexual as like when I was younger but I think like looking back I think I fancied all these people like Angela Jolie and Girl Interrupted because I was like obsessed with her I was obsessed with Britney and I look back and I think part of it was because I fancied them do you know what I mean yeah. like these really sexy cool women but yeah the women in me it was really good and what an arsehole her dad is oh, eh? what a shock like a real story, eh? evil man yeah you do you know? know about the Britney story Dom? Um, I, I, I basically I do but I'm not like I've not read her book mm-hmm. um, it's good yeah anytime mm-hmm. I I must say anytime I see a news article on her I'm always kind of on her side and mm. I feel sorry for her to mm. be honest I think the system chewed her up yep definitely and you think she was only 16 when Baby One More Time came out and she was so sexualised from such a young age well they like the big thing was her virginity if mm. you remember back it was all like is she a virgin? Mm. Is she not a virgin? And then some of the stuff that's come out about Justin Timberlake 
out of the arse ender like this book is absolutely disgusting. But I thought it was hilarious that last week the Britney stands hijacked the streaming charts. So he's got a song out that's called something, I don't know what it's called, but Britney Spears had a song that's like an album track on an old album that's the same title. And all the Britney stands went on and streamed. Oh, it was a selfish, I think. Yes, yeah. right. So that Britney got to number one in America. <laughs> And Justin Timberlake was like number five, and you're That's like, hilarious. fucking yes, the man. The Britney fans are Because, yeah, I mean, they, they were, there was all sorts of stuff. Like, he, he did a music video where he insinuated that she cheated on him, which never happened. He was on radio shows talking about her virginity when they had split up and he'd broke her heart. I think him and his team had kind of forced her to have an abortion and stuff like Oof. that as well. Like, some horrific stuff. Like, and she's been trafficked all over the world by like mental health professionals or dad lawyers that have basically just trapped her. <coughs> I think it's such a such a terrible story that for whatever reason isn't he getting it's getting traction because of how popular Britney Spears is, mm. but nobody's really going, This is fucking terrible what yeah, happened to her. In terms of like human rights. Yeah. Like even her dad, right, there's a bit in the book where he puts her on a diet and you've seen Britney, she's tiny. You put her on a diet, and remember in the book, she's like, I wasn't allowed to eat chocolate for years. Like, she wasn't even allowed to eat what she wanted to eat. She wasn't allowed to get a bowl of fries, because even her diet was monitored. And it's like, what? That's that's no life. No. Imagine doing... Imagine having... I would imagine she would be gigging every single night of the year. God knows how many calories she would be burning doing that type of show. And then after the show, she can't even have a bar of fucking chocolate. I know, I know. She couldn't have like a Jack Daniels and Coke. Like, yeah, she wasn't allowed she to wasn't drink allowed alcohol. To drink. She wasn't allowed to do anything. Mm. And and I think it was, I mean, they, 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 they punished her as well. Like she didn't want to do a specific dance move or something like that. I think I remember in like during her Vegas residency, she was like, I don't want to do this dance move. And they basically were like, right, your meds are going up. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to see your kids. Like, wow, what? mental stuff, man. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. And I think like, Personally, I'd like to see it get dissected, people go to jail, but just so this never happens again, like the conservatorship stuff is traditionally for people that have got like Alzheimer's, like they can't make these, mm -hmm. you know, they're millionaires and they can't make these decisions, they're going to squander their family's inheritance or whatever, so they put them in these conservatorships so that they can't really just blow their money at wow. coming to the end of their life, but they put her under one at like 25 or 24 year old because she... You know, shouted at some paparazzi and shaved her hair. I know. Basically. Yeah. Craziness, man. I know. It is pretty grim. But at least she's out of it now and she's finally kind of getting to live her life as she wants to. And she's changed her name on Instagram to Maria River Red. All right. Uh, but she said that she's never going to do music again, which is quite sad. Yeah. I think she's got a few more albums in her, but um, maybe she will at some point. But for now, she's like, fuck music. So, I don't blame her, to be yeah. honest. God, that's quite sad. I was just asking you what comedy films you were into. <laughs> <coughs> and I said, like, Fight Club. Hi, <laughs> girl interrupted. Um. <laughs> but yeah, Fight Club especially. I, I watched that an obscene amount of times. I was really, really obsessed with it. Tyler Durden, you mm. know, absolutely loved it. Yeah, very violent for a kind of 15-year-old girl to watch, but yeah, I was fascinated by it. And I think I always, because I always loved acting as a child... I've always like loved watching brilliant acting. 
Yeah. It's like a real thing of mine. Like, like I'm very obsessive the way that I watch films. I'll pause it and if I'm watching it with someone, I'll pause it and go, oh my God, did you see that look in his eye there? And people will be like, no, not really. <laughs> Just yeah. like, let me watch the film. And I'll be like, rewind it, look at his eye, look at the thing he does in his eye at that moment. It's like, that's him realizing that. Da -da -da -da. Yeah. Like I'm very obsessive with the way I'm into acting. Yeah. I remember when that was out, I was taught, my friend's a personal trainer. And see anytime he's like, anytime a guy comes to me and they're like, what do you want to look like? Everyone was saying Brad Pitt. Tyler Club. Durden, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was the perfect, perfect body, perfect look. Well, I was never like a big Brad Pitt fan in terms of, you know, how like loads of women were obsessed with him. But in Fight Club, that's I think where he looked his best. And he yeah. had that V, you know, the V shape on his body. Because someone yeah. who works out, I think you have to have like lower than 10% body fat to get the V. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like him smoking and fighting <laughs> and huh. like all cut up and bloody but yeah I used to do that anytime thankfully I'm not like that anymore uh, but anytime I watched a movie I always used to google their diet so right. I've done that with uh, Christian Bale and the machine <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's like the worst one to do it for I did a tin of tuna I done and that. an apple yep couple of days no, you didn't. Tuna and an apple. No way. I used to eat tuna for the tin. I only lasted four days or something. Aye. But oh. fucking rancid. Yeah, because he did that and um, got down to eight stone. And I think Christian Bale's like maybe six foot two. Yeah. So the fact that he was eight stone was like severely underweight. Mm -hmm. And you've seen pictures, you know, seen the film. He was losing his hair. Yep. Um, he almost died. Yeah. He his was heart going, almost stopped. He was going blind as well. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, like, I'm a big Christian Bale fan, right? Like, mm -hmm. I consider myself one of Christian Bale's biggest fans. But even I have to admit, I think that was completely unnecessary. Yeah, too far. Yeah, I just think it was like, in the script, I think it said the character was an insomniac, right? But it never said anywhere in the script that he was severely underweight. So in his mind, he's like, well, he's an insomniac, so I bet he doesn't eat. So it's, it was his choice to make the character, like, super thin. But I, get, I think it just, like, you can see why people, when that came out, thought of Christian Bale was just a gimmick actor. Because it's like... There was no need for that. Like, nowhere yeah. in the script did it say this character's anorexic. Even the directors, like, openly said that in interviews. He's like, like, I didn't request that. Yeah, it was too much. Imagine mm. him turning up first day. You've cast Christian Bale. You're expecting him to come at a certain size. And he comes, like, about to die. Mm -hmm. And you just think, really? Like, and the thing is, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. Christian Bale's got a couple, got a couple of kids now. And it's like, what sort of an example is that to your children? <coughs> to, like almost starve yourself to death for a yeah. part mm -hmm. like that's not that's not good advice that's not like worthy or respectful yeah it's fucking insanity yeah it's not mental it, mentally well these things as well like they, they set dangerous precedents for like the next generation actors that come through and they, they look at that and they idolize that and they think that's what i'm going to do i'm going to push it to the extreme limit and it's like mm, maybe you don't need to do that no. you know what i mean and i think christian bale's got something wrong with him Actually, see when you hear the way that his accent changes and sometimes <laughs> he's British, sometimes he's Australian and then there's been the obviously like the famous recordings of him like screaming at people, like <laughs> there's somebody looking at him. There's no like a recording when he's like, That fucker's looking at me and it's like some poor lighting guy that he's pure like, get him out of here. Mm. I can't take him looking at me anymore and you're like, mm, maybe Christian Bale's not all right. What an actor. <laughs> oh, he's I mean brilliant. the prestige is one of my favourite movies. Oh, is it? I like I think I mean I, I watched that see that movie that you stick on, you're like Never heard of this. This gotta be shit. Mm, I'll just watch mm. it, and you're like, "Fucking hell!" Mm. There's Michael Caine. There's Hugh Jack. Just one of them. Mm. Like very surprising. Um, but I remember at the time, people it was like men's health were like, "How did Christian Bale get yeah. for 
this to this in six months and you're like steroids that's how he fucking <laughs> did it like nobody's telling you that they're like here's his yeah. diet and here's Eating his disorder. workout plan yeah. And, yeah oh definitely and because he went straight from the machinist to batman within the like second, six months aye, like yeah. The second batman, yeah the dark knight or whatever and to go from that to that you just think like that's unwell that's not normal yeah and don't get me wrong i respect like i respect method acting and all that but there is there's got to be some sort of limit like i love like charlize theron for example who did it in monster yes now that was cool because she probably gained two three stone nothing nothing crazy but just enough to look more like the character yeah and she was incredible in that obviously got the oscar and i think like that's really cool but to the point that christian bale's been doing it for years you know like an american hustle he got really fat for that then he did that one where he played dick cheney yeah. And he got really, really fat for that. And he just keeps going back and forward to the point that you're like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. Just act. Like, you're you're a really good actor. You don't need to do this. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And towards the end, he was just drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes. Yeah, I read I that. I can't so. believe I f- was like, that's amazing when I was younger. Yeah. It's mad how you just grow up and grow out of these things. Well, I was the same, Darren. Like, when I went to drama school, I kind of considered myself a bit of a method actor. And, you know, Christian Bale's always been my favourite actor. Like, American Psycho, his performance in that is still my favourite performance in any film ever. Yeah. And I really, like, live by the, oh, you've got to go as extreme as possible. But now that I'm older, a bit more mature, I'm just like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I say, I respect a little bit of it, like Charlie Theron and Monster. But there's a limit. And it's like, just chill out. Yeah. You're a good enough actor. You don't have to prove anything by all this gimmick stuff. Yeah. American Psycho, another belter. I've seen a TikTok. Well, or like a, I don't have TikTok because I just think it will just destroy me. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not doing it. But I've seen somebody shared a TikTok where it was like some fucking, one of these new age yuppie types, you know, that tell you to get out of bed at five in the morning or whatever, talking about how much he respected the character. <laughs> And it's like, you do realise that that's like parody, mm. that you're supposed to like look at, what's his name? And Patrick Bateman. Patrick Bateman. <laughs> you're supposed to look at Patrick Bateman and go, yeah, that's everything that's wrong with the world. Mm. This guy was actually like, you know, I love the character and he's unapo- he's unapologetic about his body and the suits. And it's like, he's supposed to be insane. Mm. Like, mm. what what you're not getting this? Yeah. We're, we're like moving into a, an era where everybody's going to be like a Patrick Bateman, mm-hmm. where they're all going to be like hyper obsessed and how they look and maybe not to the point where they're, you know, having mad murder <laughs> fantasies. But I think some of these people do have murder fantasies, just don't talk about it. Mm. But um, I seen a TikTok where the guy was like, "I love the character and he's, I admire him." Yeah, and it's like mm. not really getting it. <clears throat> he's doing his skincare routine. Oh, I love that bit. Yeah. In the morning, if my face is a little puffy, <laughs> I use an ice pack while I'm doing my stomach crunches. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I think what? That I f- was the peak. I like cinema. That Aye. that sort of like maybe like. 1980 to 1999 maybe somewhere in the mid 2000s where it started to become all the remakes and they started going back and remaking blade runner and re- you're like oh for fuck's sake can we not get something new but that yeah. period see that the movies that you mentioned the sort of like mm. american beauty american psycho um fight club falling I, down I th- falling down <laughs> falling down is my dad's favorite film in the whole wide world yep amazing so when it, whenever you reference falling down i'm always like oh yep falling down heat like Heat. Uh-huh. I watched yeah. Heat again recently yeah. and it's like I was watching it thinking they just don't make movies like this anymore nah they don't mm-hmm. you know Complete where it's perfection. so perfection where it's so because you know like you say all the Marvel stuff where it's all big explosions and big crazy effects and all that. Heat is just amazing actors and it's just all about the acting 
and it's just like you know like watching a tennis match like De Niro mm-hmm. to Pacino and it's just like back and all all it is is acting brilliant acting yeah. and it's like I wish they would like The Godfather you know it's just like why don't they make films like that anymore that's just all about how good the fucking acting is yeah Oh. Even the other night, I watched Rain Man again mm. for a, a long time and see Tom Cruise. Tom mm. Cruise was fucking incredible. He was. And there, there's never movies like that anymore. No. There's never movies And like he that. doesn't get enough credit either. Like, I think he's been nominated at the Oscars before, a yeah. long time ago, but I think he's just made peace with the fact that he's probably never going to win an Oscar, so now he just does all his Mission Impossibles and all his own stunts, and good on him. Because yeah. the Oscars are so snobby. You, mm-hmm. like, you look at... That's why I love, like, last year when Brendan Fraser won for The yeah. Whale. I don't know if you saw it, mm-hmm. uh, but he plays, like, a really obese guy kind of stuck in his chair. Yeah. And, you know, Brendan Fraser, the guy from The Mummy, you would never in a million years, all those years ago, think he'll win an Oscar. Yeah. And I love when some or like Michelle Yeoh from last year who won for everything everywhere all at once, and you know when it's like the Oscars surprise you sometimes yeah. rather than Kate Blanchett who wins every year or Meryl Streep. Yeah. It's like give someone else a chance. Yeah. There's so many amazing actors out there. That what a comeback that was for Brendan. Oh, <laughs> and you know what? Did you watch his speech? Um, when he he won for like the Oscar, I think he won the Golden Globe. He won like everything that year, and he was really quite emotional up stage. And he said, "This is what the multiverse looks like," because <laughs> he was just like, "What the fuck is happening?" And he and he made this really passionate speech, and it was it kind of made me quite emotional because he was talking about how hard his career's been and how he's had some really rocky times, and there was a, a moment where no one wanted to work with him, yeah. and he said he felt like he was at the bottom of the ocean, like desperate. And then he came out of it and, you know, he's holding his Oscar. Yeah. And he was like, so don't give up, like, just keep going. And it was, like, really inspiring because he, he, I think he's proven that, you know, the way Hollywood can turn their back on you. Because yeah. he was in the 90s, like, the late 90s, he was, like, you know, he was the main guy. He was in everything. Yeah. And then suddenly he just disappeared, fell off the face of the planet, didn't see him in anything. And you think about what, how hard were those years for him? Because it was, like, 15 years or something. Aye. When you gone. go from being, like, an A-lister... To like nothing. That must be fucking hell. Yeah. Two seconds. Darren's camera's just cut out. Is it still recording? It is still recording, but it'll literally take me to get back up running. That's us. Awesome. Sorry, mate. No worries. I mean, I'm not comparing us to like <clears throat> him, of course, but like, I think the reason why people love him so much, especially like comedians and actors, is I could like kind of relate relate to that on a smaller scale totally but you know what i mean i find it relatable yeah it's a horrible feeling when you feel like you're making headway is that the right word or headway feel like you're making headway Headway. (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) you feel like you're doing well you feel like you're you know making waves or whatever and then it just kind of stops and it's a bit like because my career has been a bit like that like up down left right yeah you know like go from job to job to job but then a quiet period then you know and i think that's the life of an actor really like most actors would tell you that it's never just like job after job after job yeah there's like quiet times and uncertain times and it can be really quite frightening yeah. especially when you've you're used to it and like you say you look at my cv i've done quite a lot but that's been over quite a long time and there's been a lot of quiet periods in there as well and 
sometimes it would just be nice to have a bit more stability. Like I would love to be on River City or something. Yeah. I would. Like I know, you know, it might not be the best show in the world. It's not, you know, the White Lotus, but it's it's a job and it's a regular paycheck. Yeah. And I would love to maybe do that even just for a year, just to get some money behind me to get a deposit to, you know, buy a house or whatever. Yeah. And I don't look down on it. Do you know what I mean, I would do it. I would do River City tomorrow if they called me up. Yeah. But even that, it's like how how is it so impossible to get on River City? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, I feel like sometimes, you know, they're like, well, if you don't chap the door, the door doesn't get opened. I, I feel like sometimes I can't even get to the door mm. to fucking chap it mm. to get a chance. Mm. But yeah, I've been through that. That's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. And I went through the kind of, the, does everybody hate me and stuff? And then I just started doing my own thing. Good for you. I let it go. Good for you. I'm the same because like I don't have an agent. You don't have an agent. We nope. used to have agents um, and I've had a few agents throughout my life and none that I was ever really that happy with. And I always felt like, why am I giving them money when I got the job myself? Yeah. Like how have they benefit? How have they financially benefited from doing nothing? Yeah. And so I don't have an agent now. I, I am kind of keen to get one again because I think it would just help me out a little bit like because I wanted to start doing more TV and film again yeah and without an agent it's quite hard to get TV and film work so this year that is one of my ambitions to try and get another agent just to because I like you I'm 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 doing everything myself I'm doing gigs I'm selling my mugs I'm being really self-sufficient yeah but there's only so much you can do yourself in it as a one-man band yes they they definitely serve a purpose but I think when you're younger, I think the both of us are pretty, a lot of similarities, you know. Mm. When you're younger, you're kind of blinded with false promises and then we get a wee bit older and we're just like, we can't kind of take this shit anymore. Mm. Like like you say, people taking cuts off of your money and you're like, I'm a fucking... I'm literally like on the cusp of being homeless here and you're <laughs> taking 20% of my yeah. my wage yeah. that I got. Yeah. I suppose just getting a wee bit older, you start to realise that. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a strange industry. It's a strange industry. 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 But <laughs> I've, I've kind of just stripped it back down to making people laugh again. Yeah. And it feels nice. It's such a good, like like I was saying, because I wrote in my, because I don't know if you're writing a diary. Do you keep a diary at all? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I try and journal most days. And I wrote the other night after the funny bunch, I wrote in my diary the next day. And I just said, I wish I could gig every single night. Because how much would it help my mental health and help my mood to get to make people laugh every single night? Yeah. Like how that would improve your, your health so much. But yeah. like that's the thing about being a stand-up. Like you don't have a gig every night. You've maybe got two, three, four a week, yeah. but you don't have one every single night. And like in LA, we were talking about this earlier. Like in LA or New York, you can do seven gigs a night. Yeah. You can't really do that in Scotland. No, there's like not seven gigs running in Glasgow in one night. Do you know what I mean? There should be though. There, there should, should be, be seven. There's maybe not in Glasgow, but there's there certainly should be. See the way that the stand is or the glee is on a Friday, Saturday night. There should be a night like that. From Monday to Sunday. Absolutely agree. Yeah. There's no excuse for it. Yeah, there's no reason. And same we were talking about before, like, why is there not a Saturday Night Live, like a Scottish Saturday Night Live? The talent's there. Yeah. There's plenty, me, you, plenty of others that can act, write, and our stand-ups. Yeah. We've got it all and we're ready to go, Mm -hmm. but there's there's no channel or avenue willing to do it. Yeah. And it's it's just like, what the fuck? You've got the talent there. Let's do it, man. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just, I, I just always be like, date yourself then. 
Mm. Just go and do it. Yeah. Because that sounds great. And there is a load of emerging talent. One of the good things about COVID is that I think a big bunch of people went, fuck it, I'm just going to go and try stand-up. Mm. And there's loads and loads of good stand-up comedians are in that sort of open spot position just now in glasgow anyway for sure we see a lot of them you know yeah um somebody should just do that Mm. because like the reason that like tv like the bbc for instance the reason the bbc only funding it like they're dying Mm. this this traditional media is like dying in its arse because nobody's watching it everybody's watching youtube everybody's watching netflix so or repeats by mm. comfort watching mm-hmm. mm. i love comfort watching mm. it's like my favorite like the sopranos i don't oh. know how many times i've watched the sopranos, the sopranos. at least five or six times i've watched that for the start oh. right the way through to the end see the bit that chills me i cry when i think about it the bit that chills me to my bone you know the episode of sopranos where carmela comes back to the house and the house is empty mm-hmm. and she gets a flashback of like the kids in the driveway yeah. and then it just cuts back and she's all alone in this big house yeah. and it's kind of like symbolic that it doesn't matter how much money you've got or you know if you're alone you're alone yeah, uh-huh. yeah. and it's just it's one of those moments that just like chills me yeah like, i hate the debate oh you know game of thrones so, fucking soprano smokes game of thrones agreed. for me uh, Fuck agreed off. like there's no dragons <laughs> there's no magic there's no it. pish it doesn't need it, it. Is, like you know, like a core cast of like 10 to 15 people yeah. who just go and absolutely dominate TV. It it's like, like, we're talking about heat. It's like the heat of TV. Yeah. Like when it's all just about the acting, it doesn't matter really what's going on because the yeah. acting is so good. Whereas Game of Thrones relies on dragons, it relies on special effects, it relies on tits in every shot. Yeah. yeah. Whereas The Sopranos doesn't need to do any of that. It's just hardcore acting. You've always had a great taste in movies and stuff, Thank Rachel. You. See, years ago, I remember you told me about a movie and I didn't get to it until, honestly, recently. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I think I remember you telling me about it about 10 years ago <laughs> and I only watched it like three years ago or mm-hmm. something. It was, do you know that movie that Quentin Tarantino wrote and then he sold it? True Romance. That's oh, it. True Romance is a great movie, Christian uh, Slater. Oh, oh it's one a- of my favourite films. So I did went I tell to the, you about that then? Yep. I went to the GFT to watch that by myself uh-huh. and I feel like it altered my brain chemistry after it. Uh-huh. I, I just walked away. I was like laughing. I was crying. I was like oddly fucking energetic. Like I was just like, that was... I know people say the perfect movie. I don't think you can get perfection, but seeing a kind of 10 out of 10, that was a 10 out of 10. Yeah. You can't... For what that was, you couldn't get better. Mm. And um, there was a scene in it when you're talking about real acting. Mm-hmm. See Dustin Hoffman mm-hmm. with the what's his name? It's not Dustin Hoffman. Um, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Aye. I love how you could read my mind there. <laughs> Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. Yes, Best scene. scene of the film. Yep. Best scene of the film. That's the first time I've ever walked watched two actors and i'm like are they improving here as well because when christopher walken was laughing i was like that doesn't seem like acting Mm -hmm. that seems real like just a real moment yeah yeah caught in camera that was just unbelievable that the acting in that scene it gives me chills yeah and dennis hopper's smoking his last cigarette knowing i'm about to die so i may as well have a cigarette oh and fucking james gandolfini's in james gandolfini's got a small part in it yeah yeah yeah, he beats the shit out of Patricia Arquette. <coughs> it's funny because yeah. I watched True Romance last year when I was living in Tennessee 
And I said to my boyfriend, um, let's watch True Romance. And he turned to me during it and he was like, why is every film you show me about crazy people? <laughs> <laughs> let's watch Matrix. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I'm shite at accents. <laughs> New one or I can I get a job? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you've made me, I'm crying thinking about how much I love True Romance. Yeah. What a movie. Yeah, so I really appreciate you saying that. Oh, um, well, you're welcome. Because the female actress in that as well. Yeah, Patricia Arquette. And who else was in it? Christian Slater. She's stunning in that, by the way. She's gorgeous. Beautiful, beautiful. It's the wee short skirt and all that, the wee cowboy. And then Brad Pitt playing the stoner. (laughs) Yeah, funny as fuck. He was hilarious. Floyd. (laughs) Bit of a scene stealer as well. Especially back then. He never really done anything like that. Yeah, totally. Because I think Brad Pitt is a stoner in real Mm. life. And... um, Recently sober, I think. Recently sober, you know, but I think he... Can't stop he, talking about it. Yeah, but he hit it pretty hard for a long time. Yeah. And in True Romance, he just plays that stoner part so perfect. Yeah. So, I've not seen that movie in so long, by the way. So I'm going to need to watch that. It's one of the movies where I'd even... See, until you'd mentioned that, you know, I've not thought about that movie in well over, like, 20 years. Wow. It's one of the, like, I remember, like, VHS, you would go around somebody's house, like, Reservoir Dogs was like that. Yeah. And you would never have seen it on the TV or anything. They'd be like, oh, have you ever seen this? You're like, no, stick yeah. on. You're like, Jesus. It's like two hours on a fucking Sunday afternoon where, like, your mind's getting blown mm-hmm. sitting yeah. watching a fucking portable telly. Ah, oh, what a movie, man. For Christian any- Slater as well. He's another one where he's, like such a talented guy and then just went off a cliff never seen him barely seen him ever again crazy but anything he's in he always does well made a wee bit of a comeback as well if anybody's actually listening they will be listening to this but if you're listening that's a movie that you need to go and check out let us know what you think fantastic so we only do an hour Rachel and we're approaching Mm -hmm. about an hour right Mm -hmm. now um, I'm going to ask you a couple of more questions, mm-hmm. but if there's anything you want to talk about, like, feel free. Okay, yeah. I would like to talk... Have you got any questions? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate when people ask you that and you feel like you've got to say something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. <laughs> I was looking at your internet movie database and I seen that you did the voice of a game called I Saw Black Clouds. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a proper chance to jump into it, but it looked really good. Mm. Um, what was that about? So basically, right, it was a, a filmed in Shropshire back in 2019, and I auditioned for it thinking it was just a normal horror film. And then when I got the part, they said, so we're filming it, but it's also going to be a video game. So it's like two jobs, basically. Brilliant. Um, so I've never, st- I've still never seen it. Wow. The bloody production company never bloody sent me a DVD or a... Or... So anyway, I've never seen it. But um, yeah, that was just like one of the weirdest projects I've ever done. Because because it was like a video game, we had to film the scene multiple times to do like different outcomes. Yeah. Because you know how like in a video game, it's like, oh, do you, do you walk through the door or do you turn back? So we had to film both ways. Mm-hmm. So that was quite interesting as an actor to get to like do a scene again yeah and play it totally differently so it was pretty cool brilliant yeah yeah so would that be on amazon prime i think so i think there's some way you can buy it but like Mm. i say i've never or you can either watch it or play it but Mm. i've never i've never seen it it's mad i'm gonna check that out because i was like oh aye that looks brilliant let me know what you think yes yeah aye that looks good not quite like your true romance but i'm sure (laughs) i'm sure it'll be good (laughs) 
Um, also, your best pals with The Rock. Mm. <laughs> Although he's been a bit quiet for a while. I'm like, come back, <laughs> Rock, come back. Because he tweeted me four different times. And it was like, after the fourth time, I was like, geez, peace. Yeah. <laughs> we get it, you're a fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's amazing. Uh, the last time he tweeted me was um, July 2022. Because I was promoting my Edinburgh Fringe show, Almost Famous, at the Stand Comedy Club. And I tagged him in a post because basically on my on my Fringe poster for Almost Famous, I just had the quote, love this gal, The mm-hmm. Rock, because he'd done a tweet when he said, love this gal. So that was on my poster. Just You know how all the comedians at the Fringe have like quote after quote after quote after quote? I was like, how powerful is it just to have one quote and it's The Rock? Yeah. Like that, that trumps... <laughs> 15 quotes, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just, love this gal. So I tagged him in a post saying, look, I've, I've added you to my poster. And then he replied, uh, telling all his followers, all his fans saying, go and see my hilarious buddy at the Stand Comedy Club at the Edinburgh Fringe. He tagged the Fringe, he tagged the Stand. No way. I know, and it was like, you know when you think he's such a big deal? He didn't need to do that. Yeah. And he'd already done a few tweets about me before that. So it's been this kind of continuing relationship. But I've been sn- uh, sliding into his DMs on Instagram because he only ever tweeted me. He's never done it on Instagram. And he's got like m- like almost billions of followers on Instagram. Yeah. So if he was to put out the clip again on Instagram, that could probably really help my following. So I'm like bugging him, like, please do it on Instagram, yeah. please. <laughs> did, did him tweeting you help your show? Um, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, not as much as you'd hope. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. People think, like, once The Rock tweets you, it's going to change your whole life. But yeah. life doesn't really work like that. You've still got to work your arse off to get mm-hmm. an audience. Yeah, you know? that's true. I wish, I wish he could have just tweeted me once and then I've got, like, 100k followers. I wish yeah. it was that easy. But, you know, it's not the way life works. Yeah, that's true. You've got to work your arse off to that, get anywhere. That's true. Yeah. Nice that you've done it, though. Very cool. nice. What a cool guy. And I'd love to meet him again, because we met years ago, and it was just, like, really brief. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really get much of a chance to talk, but he seemed like a lovely, lovely, lovely man. Yeah. Um, And he smelled lovely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just and, like, oh. I remember when that happened, I just knew that there'd be, like, 40,000 Scottish comedians, like, bastards. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was one of them. Uh, like, raging, yeah. Yeah, I was like, that oh, fucking rock's a prick. Because <laughs> <laughs> some people are so jealous, like, they can't yeah. handle anyone else's success. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Any form of success whatsoever. Yeah. Like, yeah, I could feel like people burning into my skull when that <laughs> happened. Get it right round, geez. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, that's us reached an hour. Well, we're an hour and seven minutes. An hour and seven minutes, Rachel. Brilliant. This has been a very fun, laid back yeah, conversation. Really nice. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks for having me. If someone's listening to this podcast, how can they get you? So basically, uh, it's on my mug if anyone's watching. Um, Rjax, R underscore J-A-C-Z. That's me on Instagram and Twitter. So give me a follow, especially on Instagram. I don't really use Twitter anymore. Yeah. Because it's toxic and I hate Twitter now. Yeah. It's not what it was, is it? No. It's all better now. That's a lovely way to end the podcast. (laughs) I said Elon's turned it into a bin fire. It's horrible. Fuck Twitter. Get on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. Follow Rachel on Instagram, and have you got anything coming up, like gigs or anything that you would like to promote? Uh, nothing really. In fact, I tell a lie, I'm doing um, a work in progress of my new show at the Glasgow Comedy Festival at the mm. Stand Comedy Club, Saturday the 16th of March, 5pm. The show's called American Horror Story, 
and it's about the time I experienced psychosis in Tennessee. <laughs> I'm sorry for giggling. I'm sorry it's, for giggling. Well, that's the thing. It's kind of I haven't. It's a work in progress, so it's a brand new hour, and yeah. I don't know how funny it's going to be yet because it's very, very traumatic. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm so sorry for laughing. <laughs> it's just the fact that we've been talking about movies yeah. the whole podcast, and then it's like I had psychosis. I had psychosis. Follow me on Instagram. See you later. Yeah, exactly. Come and hear about the time I was in a mental asylum in Tennessee. Well, you need to go and buy a ticket because it'll be funny as fuck. Well, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, thank you very much for your help. No bother. Thank you. It's appreciated, as always. Sorry for being sick. Uh, I think I'm going to die. Rachel, love you with all my heart and my soul. God bless. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.